Welcome Esther Zepp from Budapest, curator, independent scholar who will be talking to us about bodies and comics and so much more. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. So how did you get into comics? It's the big question, the journey, and yeah, it's a big, big deal. So yeah, how did you get into comics? Well, it's, it's, it's a really long story because when I was a child, I met some comics, but you know, when, when uh, after 1989, um, American comics arrived in Hungary, Spider-Man didn't really address me. I was a, a small girl and I, those comics didn't address me. But I was really much into maps and I was studying maps. And mm. now that I look back at my journey, I realized that maps for children are about words and images. So this is how my journey began. And then I studied literature at university where um, I wrote my MA thesis on romantic poetry. So it doesn't really have comics in it. Um, and I had another MA thesis, which was on literature and photography. So I was just getting closer and closer. And um, there was a point at the end of my studies, MA studies, when I was seriously contemplating like, staying in higher education and doing a PhD in something. And my supervisor at that time, whose name is Agnes Peter, she said that unless you are certain don't do a PhD. Mm. And, and we were discussing romantic poetry. And, um, and she said that, wait and see what you are really into. So I, I, I took this advice. And for a couple of years, I was like an au pair. I was teaching. I was a costume designer. And then, as it turned out, my interests took me into reading on a Sunday afternoon W.J.T. Mitchell and visual culture theory mm. and things that I didn't meet when I was doing my MAs. So I was really interested in word and image relations and I was a self-taught somebody and that is when I started my PhD in word and image relations and visual culture. And in Hungary, if you are really motivated, you can sort of change your topic if your supervisors um, support this. And at, in the first year, during my first year as a PhD student, I realized that comics is the best thing in the world. So I bought myself a lot of comics. I bought secondary literature and comics. And this decision to change into comics was really somehow there. So my, my, my two advisors supported this decision. And this is how I became a comic scholar. Wow. Like, and then you, like, you... This kind of journey, not a straight one, but yeah. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited that you went from cartography to comics. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of bodies, um, which cartography is, a, right, a kind of representation of yeah. the planet as a body. Um, why the body, comics and the body? And this is, of course, drawing on, well, drawing, reading, and vulnerability, your book that's forthcoming with OSU Press. Yeah, so this book came out of like a very relevative moment. Uh, when I was reading an article um, written by Jared Gardner, and there was this just one sentence in the article which said, like, currently, 
drawing is the most understudied aspect of comic studies. Mm. And I was sitting there and I said, really, why is that? I must do something about this. Mm. So I started studying drawing and what are the theories of drawing and what do the cartoonists say? What do art historians say? Stuff like that. And I realized that if I'm studying drawing, if I'm taking this seriously, then I have to take the body, how the body is working while drawing seriously. So, so gradually I arrived at this idea where I think that the body is a very important um, factor when you are making comics because it's, it's the movement of the body and interpretation by, by drawing and by the body. And it is very important when you are reading comics. So it's basically at the heart of everything of, of how we approach comics. And then um, I just, when I, when I saw this cover made by Amanda Weiss at Ohio State University Press, I was, it just blow, blew my mind because this cover is really about everything that I love in comics. So here, what you can see is that you have a, a body drawn by very different sort of lines. Very, she's using, Amanda is using pencil and pen and different qualities. And I think these are very important when we talk about comics, like what do these lines make us feel and how these lines are used by the artist to express something. And this whole cover is actually handmade so I love it that she made it by her hands and you can also see the paper on which it was originally drew, drawn and I think the object like nature the materiality of comics is also very important so uh, these are the ideas that I explore it obviously started with realizing that when I'm reading comics I use my body to interpret things so it's, uh, it's, um, it's about really this relationship of drawing and reading and drawer and reader, which is in the body and in the actions of the body. Yeah, that's wonderful, beautiful. And it's a reminder actually that there, it's not just all up here, um, that there's the bodies involved in the engagement, right? Um, comfort, discomfort, um, you know, and the, kind of spectrum in between. Um, can, you, can you walk us through your approach with some of uh, you know, the images here and why these are important to you? So um, here you see some images um, from the book. And I would like to start with the one in the middle, which is one that I drew to represent this relationship between drawer. I used the word drawer. I could have used artist or cartoonist or something like that, but I, I choose the simplest one. So the person who is producing the work and the reader, and um, I study nonfiction comics. This has been always important for me. Um, actually, why I got into comic studies was realizing that you can interpret and express real events in a drawn form and it was very interesting to me so this whole book is about making non-fiction and and creating a word interpreting the word real events in drawn form and this happens i think with an interaction and we haven't really because i haven't mentioned vulnerability here but um, vulnerability is a key thing 
in the way that I think of the body. Like it's when we think about the body, it's one of the most important aspects to see that it is so vulnerable and that the body of other people is also vulnerable. So it's it's um it's a kind of a very intricate connection. And I think comics, especially non-fiction comics, can build on this connection. And what you see here, these images are about connecting via the action of drawing. Linda Berry talks a lot. Linda Berry made the first uh, image, which is from what it is. And she talks a lot about how when you are drawing and you're moving at a hand, the movement itself has like somehow its own will. It, it, it does what it wants. The line does what it wants. While it is very important that the action itself is creating the thoughts and ideas that you are expressing. So it's, it's sort of a vulnerable state. Mm. And what, what, is, what is happening here is that um, it's an autobiographical one pager. And we can see her portrait, and it is fully covered and scarred with lines because these lines just don't stop. And the, the text is saying something happens to my thinking when I start to draw. So she's contemplating, like, what is this relationship between drawing, thinking, and movement? And the second panel says it becomes more like listening. So there is this vulnerability to the line, to the body that is making the line. And this is a very dark page and it is about like drawing and thinking. And the last panel is the clearest one because th this is when you arrive at the idea, like this is what I want to express. This is the figure. And then you have a lot of lines in, in the Joe Sacco comic as well. And what, what you see here is that half of this panel is, is a face. Um, our protagonist and half of it is like empty and there is nothing there and I uh, and my for me this nothing is really important because what you see here is the work of the artist like all those movements and labor and his body involved with, with, with each line that he is spending with this situation and this situation is of course the war in Bosnia uh, terrible things and Sarko as a journalist finds out terrible things about this man and the situation mm. and the text is saying put yourself in Nevin's shoes but if you look at Nevin's face like he's saying don't even try to put yourself in my shoes mm. but but there is then this artist who is spending time with him and contemplating the situation so I think drawing can express many um ethical qualities which I try to explore in in my work and these ma manifest in, mm -hmm. in action yeah beautiful vulnerability um, on so many different levels of, you know such an important concept that you bring here to comics especially thinking about comics that are not single created single author created right the kind of vulnerability of the the writer and the drawer right? Opening themselves to one another. Absolutely. Um, really amazing. Um, tell me about your creating of comics. You just shared a panel with us um, and yeah, all of the, the process, the kind of that vulnerability or that kind of coming to a space of kind of letting the story be and not the ego kind of taking over, right? Yeah, it's, um, 
it's a lovely process. Not easy. Well, yeah, it's it's a, a dialogue with the line and a dialogue with with the partner. And actually, this comic that we are seeing here is also a co-created comic. Uh, I made this together with my mentee. Uh, her name is Bogi Litner, and she she is very young. She's eighteen, and she would like to become an illustrator, a comics artist. And last year, we started working on this comic, and this is an. In, in an academic comic it's an argument it is about well you can see the brain and pain and vision and you can see the portrait of James Elkins who is very important to me and um, so the first step was to discuss these complex ideas with an 18 year old person who is not trained in theory and then she interpreted them via her lines and i really love her style like these very delicate lines and so much detail here so this this was a, an exploration of how we can work together if i can explain things and if we can plan this together and then we submitted it to sequentials which is an amazing journal that publishes comics scholarship in the form of comics. Mm. And um, while I was making this, I realized that it is so much fun to make argumentative comics because previously I was doing comics for fun. So after this comic, I made um, another one which is on comics and the body. And I think it is on the next slide. Um, yeah, so this is uh, actually the conclusion of my book. Um, and you can see in the first line, me talking, 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 because I felt like I've been writing so much about pain and vulnerability mm. and war and sexual violence and very difficult topics. But I was just talking, basically using words. So what I'm saying here in the middle that some lines want me to make them, that is actually true. Like this comic wanted to be made. So I, I decided it was a lot of fun to restructure the basic arguments of the book into this visual form. And um, it is a very short comic. I was experimenting with lines as well. So basically it is structured as a um, choose your own adventure book. So you can choose if you want to read about Linda Berry first or the James Atkins part of the theory first, like the artist or the... Mm. Um, the reader first and like you can see the monkey showing Linda Berry here and these spirals which always indicate thinking and movement together and like when I was designing this it really opened something up in me it was a way to uh, to rethink my book and to to think about each statement I have made in a very different form with my pencil and then with, them with the pen. Um, so this is it. I hope that with my next projects as well, I can make comics because it has been just such a nice challenge. I love that the lines called so strongly to you. Um, that's powerful. Um, trauma in comics, I know you, this is another area for you. Um, can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so, I was so happy that you picked this comic for this slide uh, because uh, Miriam Caton's work is really important to me personally. Um, first of all, on a very basic level that she came from Hungary as well. So as a toddler, um, she was living in Budapest. 
uh, and she moved to the US. But um, when I was reading Letting It Go for the first time, um, this is a memoir that is about, um, like she is no longer a toddler, obviously, uh, but her memory is that she experienced during the Second World War um, are so strong in her that these influence her adult life and she has a lot of anxieties and when she is drawing her herself she is drawing very intimate scenes like she is drawing uh, the inside of her mouth or she is drawing uh, her uh, body cut up because this is the way she was giving birth and these are very intimate moments and I remember reading this and and um, this was at the very beginning of my comics experience and I felt my body connected to that body that is drawn there somehow. And uh, so this is an important work <laughs> for me. And why I love the beginning, that these are the first two pages of letting it go. And why I love it is that because it's just so funny. So what, what we see is um, kitchen uh, products, coffee machines, drawn in black and white. These were made in Germany. And we have this narrator who is afraid of everything that is German. This is an irrational thing that she still hasn't processed. And so the narrator fantasizes that someone in Berlin just pushes the button and everything explodes. But what you see here is that the explosion is very funny. You cannot take it seriously on the one hand. And on the other hand, the aesthetics of the first page also explodes because you have chaos, you have colors, you have lines in every direction. Whereas the first page um, is um, something that follows the aesthetics of uh, Katyn's first memoir. So the first work was a black and white work explicitly on being a traumatized child. And this one, the second memoir says, okay, let's not do that. Let's follow different aesthetics. Let's have fun and trauma at the same time in a very weird and clever way. And the last thing that I really enjoy about both pages is that you can, you can almost, even with this screen, you can touch these lines that she's using to draw. So mm -hmm. she, she uses a very soft pencil. And if you have some cheap comics, this is the kind of black ink that sticks to your fingers. Obviously, mm. it doesn't happen with this publication because this is like a very nice publication. But, but in other circumstances, you can have bad experience with this sort of inking, black mm. uh, printed ink. Um, so you can um, be reminded of your body's involvement in the reading again, even though you don't actually see bodies uh, on the first page. So mm. this is a very important work to me, um, which I turns love attention mm -hmm. to this, yeah. I love the um, way you just walked us through um, the textures and the, so not just the kind of launch of the story, but you know, how it invites us to, to feel and to want to touch. Um, Joe Sacco is another sort of space and violence for, uh, and comics. Um, and of course, you know, the Great War is this, demands the, that the body um, be present. But maybe you can tell us uh, your experience with this. 
so as a comic scholar in Budapest, in, in, uh, in Eastern Europe or Central Europe, it's um, always uh, important to sort of find a network of scholars in other countries because there are not many comic scholars in Hungary. And I was very lucky because I was invited um, to be part of a comics project in Romania, Bucharest. And that comics project was about studying how violence is shown in comics. And as part of that project, I was studying the Great War uh, by Joe Sacco. And I was uh, particularly uh, interested in what you have mentioned is how we interact with something that is so strangely shaped, like it's, it's a ribbon. It's a very delicate work. Um, so if you try to um, look at it in one piece, um, you cannot enjoy it, you have to go close to it, but you also have to be very careful because it's sort of, it doesn't stay put. Uh, so it, it also makes you conscious of your own interaction with the work. And um, when we are looking at uh, violence, like uh, Joe Sacco is not afraid of showing violent scenes in his work. Like you can see murder and, um, what is very shocking to me is that in another work of Sacco, you can see an operation, like somebody's leg is cut off without, without um, uh, medication against the pain. So it, you can just see that it's shocking. And in this work, what, there is a very different thing going on, I think, because these bodies are tiny and there are so many of them. So when we are looking at figures, we usually understand the body in terms of our body and our experience. And you understand those because you have an experience of that within your own body. But here there are so many of them that I think they are more like pattern. And it is more like about um, um, the not the individual pain of the soldiers or the individual things that happen to them but but it's more like uh, having an impression of of pattern and darkness and and what is um what is the rhythm of the action what is the direction of the lines what you chose here actually with this shelling is is a, a moment where sacco is destroying this structure of the work that was previously established, which was like marching, marching, marching. And here it is destroyed with this shelling and it's a very different tactile experience for us. So I just love this work as well. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine this would have been a big one for you, uh, literally. Um, Hungarian comics, um, you mentioned just now that there's not a big comic study scene, but tell us about the comics themselves. Um, so this uh, cover that you are showing is, I think, a very important publication edited by Marta Koman and Jose Alanis. Uh, so I think it is needed because when sometimes, not always, but sometimes when, when scholars say European comics, what they mean is the French and Belgian tradition. But in Central Europe, in the countries that are represented with color here, we, we also have a tradition of comics, but it's very different from the French tradition and very different from the American tradition as well. 
And so this is why I think it's an amazing work that uh, Martin Toze um, found researchers from these countries and uh, collected ideas and then edited this volume. So this is why in the next slide, I just uh, collected some um, images uh, about like how comics used to look like in Hungary and what they are like now, very briefly. Um, so let's start with the last picture. I edited a book on that. It's a bilingual book on, on the history of comics in Hungary. It has a lot of images. And the first picture is taken from that book. And you can see that what is uh, written in red, that is the English text. And this is one of the first comics in Hungary. It's from the beginning of the 18th, beginning of the 19th century. Um, and comics in, hung in Hungarian uh, is called képregény. And this word literally means picture novel. So from the very beginning, comics is connected to the literary and to a tradition of uh, literary heritage. So when people were arguing about the graphic novel and how, you know, the graphic novel term versus the comics term was repositioning comics, that actually was very weird in Hungary because we have one word and this one word means that it is connected to literature. So um, we have a very strong German tradition, which you can see in the first picture. And um, um, when uh, we, we were, um, in 1956, um, there was a revolution against the Soviet rule, Soviet influence. Unfortunately, it was unsuccessful. But after 1956, the cultural politicians of, of the socialist state realized that um, they need to give some fun to the people. They started a, a magazine, a weekly magazine, in which you had jokes and uh, crosswords and comics. And these comics were always adaptations of literary works because it was said that any other form of comics uh, is too American and it has the influence of American, you know, culture, whatever, and we don't want that. So in the first row, the two, the, the second and the third picture are literary adaptations, one from the 1950s and one from the 1980s. And what you can see, I think, is they are very text heavy. So hardly, hardly any dialogue. It's just text and text. And it was very difficult for Hungarian comics artists to um, come up with their own ideas because this expectation that comics equals adaptations was mm. really strong. Um, so the history of Hungarian comics is, I think, fascinating because it's, it's, a, it's a unique way of um, literature and visual art and propaganda, so yeah. And mm. um, in the second row, I just wanted to show like, like this year, which were the best comics. So this year, we, uh, every year we give awards to the best comics and these two works, uh, one, which, one is a fairy tale, a modern fairy tale, which is also about environmental issues. That was one of the best 
that was the best long comic and the best um, collected work is something that you can see on the on the right side mm-hmm. which is um which is a very different approach to comics but mm-hmm. so um these are more clearly influenced by both French traditions and American traditions, and they have a dialogue with alternative comics and animation. And so a lot has changed in the history of Hungarian comics. Right, including at least with these um, pages, um, the almost total, well, yeah, total absence of text. <laughs> well, um, in, yeah. That was in, a deliberate in, thing that I did yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> a kind, the kind of the freeing of the form because it did, wasn't uh, forced to be tied to the adaptation uh, constraint. Um, you know, um, Esther, you do this kind of, you've created all of these other means, spaces for learning about comics. Can you tell us um, about all of these different ways that you're doing this work? Uh, Yes, thank you. I was just um, so um, so. All of these projects, the podcast, the comics library, and just creating spaces for comics, such as exhibitions, these are things that I do with other people. So it's a really good thing that there is a community of people who want to be involved with comics culture in Hungary and want to work for that. So, for example, the podcast um, is our most recent thing that I do with my friend Istvan. And uh, our aim is to discuss comics in a critical way, but which is also f- uh, a fun way. And because usually discussion of comics is, I love this, I identify with that. So there is... A, there is an enthusiasm in comics discussions, but we also want to criticize comics. So we we had this first series of podcast recordings where we discussed like uh, the concept of the hero. How does the hero rep- um, appear in different comics? Because in in Hungary, superhero comics are the most popular. I suppose everywhere they are the most popular, but because our language is so small it is great ri- uh, risk for a publisher to translate a comic that is not so well known. So most of the comics that we discuss, like uh, Charles Burns' Last Luke or uh, The Pride of Baghdad or um, The Saga of the Swamp Thing, where we look for the character of the hero, most of these are not translated into Hungarian, but a lot of Hungarians read English. So these are very... Um, these are very um, important, I think, or I hope. Mm-hmm. And as the second one is the um, comics library, which is a community library. So every comic that we have is a donation, either a person or a publisher donated it to the library. And um, it, we do, the three of us do it with Adam and Zsuzsa. And, um, Unfortunately, um, now with the COVID situation, the library is closed, but we hope that we can open sometime in the future. And uh, the last one is um, an exhibition that I opened last year. Um, I would like to have at least one comics exhibition each year, but this year is a different year, but uh, hopefully uh, we can uh, 
do that in the future as well. Wow, so you're doing so much over there. Um, the International Comics Festival in Budapest, this is a really exciting space, right, for comics uh, there, grown uh, in Hungary. Yes, there has been a big change in the last um, five years. There are a lot more publishers and a lot more comics are published in Hungarian. And I'm so happy with this. So the International Comics Festival has been on for 16 years now. It is a five days, but the biggest day is the last day. So there are some pro cultural programs in the first four, but everybody is really excited about the last one when we have a comics fair and really a lot of programs uh, where my aim is to um, have a, um, to create a space for the audience to meet Hungarian comics artists, to promote the work of Hungarian artists and Hungarian publishers. So we always have uh, ways for the artists to talk, to showcase their work, to meet the audience, because uh, most of the things that happen in comics in Hungary, like Hungarian artists, they, they work, um, in their free time, you know, they um, they are devoted and passionate about comics, but I think we need to have them meet the audience and like sort of manage their work. And um, so this year, the International Comics Festival was canceled. So in the next slide, uh, we have the, the this year's design, which was uh, uh, planned. Uh, can you go to the next slide? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it, it, it is such a beautiful uh, slide. We, we usually have the festival in uh, May. And as you can see from the logos there, uh, we, we have this festival because all the players, the cultural institutes, the French Institute, the Italian Institute, uh, because these organizations want to help promote comics culture in Hungary. So, so I hope that either later this year or next year we can have this festival. Amazing. Um, gosh, I hope I could make it out there for something like that. Where do you see the vitality in comics, um, Hungarian uh, comics or elsewhere today? Um, this is my favorite slide because uh, what is in the speech balloon in Hungarian is an answer to this question. I don't know if you knew this when you made this slide or not, but I love it. So where is the vitality in comics today? And the character is saying, it is in Durerkert, it is at the venue where the comics festival is organized. And I fully agree with this character. Um, I also think that there is a lot of interesting things happening in small small, smaller press publishers and zines. So I, I follow the work of Koyama Press and Avery Hill Publishing. And in the, in the next slide, um, I included some images that I'm really fascinated with. Yeah. So I, I'm totally fascinated by um, what uh, Jesse Jacobs is doing. Uh, this might actually be my next project. I don't know yet. Like uh, this idea of geometrically organizing organic life, animals and plants. That's fascinating to me. And um, 
Another thing that I would like to really dig into is the representation of deep time, like the time of the earth and of nature, at the same time as uh, human time, which is happening here in a comic called The Great North, Great, Great North Wood. Uh, so it's um, it's a nice one by Tim Bird. Um, and these small, smaller uh, publishers really bring out fascinating work that I, I admire. Yeah, we could spend hours just, you know, on each of these pages here. Um, so much going on. Gosh, you know, Esther Zepp, thank you so much for um, sharing, uh, gifting your your knowledge and your enthusiasm and our histories and how they intersect and where we're going. Thank you, Esther, so much. Thank you so much. Thank you.